myself think. Uh, what do you think about December 21st, 2012? Yeah, there you go. We were, isn't that what it was? The end of the Mayan calendar. And uh, so we, you know, we, I just kind of blend all like, oh, those were just those people. Well, the, the interesting thing, and I think this is probably why we all get those confused, is because when we see pictures just like this, we, we see green, Central, South American, tropical type places with pyramids, temples. My wife's went, you went to one of them somewhere down there, didn't you? Mayans, I think those were Mayans, weren't they, in Mexico? And uh, so I think that's why we confuse it because they all had these temples and they were basically, they were all pagans and they all did all kinds of weird sacrifices, um, human sacrifices. And that's where soccer comes from too, which is really weird. Um, but anyway, and, and part of their soccer was actually their sacrificial, sacrificial religious system was embedded in soccer. Sorry, Sam, you were all-star soccer <laughs> guru guy. Uh, did, you get, did you know you were doing a pagan ritual, religious ritualistic? <laughs> but, but soccer games would last, I don't how long does a soccer game last, Sam? Is it like in two hours or something like that? It's forever. Oh, you had to think. You had to th really? I, I think they're like 60 minutes, aren't they? Like I think two 45 minutes, half. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's growing in popularity in America, but it's taken this long since the Incas left it behind. Uh, but anyway, their, their games would last days. Um, and and from, from what I was told in school, and remember what I was told in school, they would last days. And... Um, was it the winning team or the losing team that was sacrificed? I think it was the losing team, I think. Like, it would be kind of incentive to throw the game if that was the case. <laughs> Possibly they, they, uh, they would, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lasted so long, yeah, like nobody would score. Well, and really, they had a rubber ball, and I'm just going from memory, I didn't study this this week, but they had a rubber ball, and it's basically the same rules that we have today. Uh, no hands involved, and they had to get it through a hoop up on the wall, and that was the goal. There was one hoop on the wall. I'm not making this up. You guys look like this is this is supposed to be Jeopardy type information here. But there was a a, a, a stone hoop on the wall, and they had to get the the ball through that hoop. Soccer, anyway, it's where soccer originated. So, um, but but we think of soccer, and we think of uh, basically human sacrifice. Just pagan, pagan beliefs. Um, and if you, I took all those pictures at the ark, but I haven't had time to sit down and look and read through them yet. But if you'll remember, there was uh, there was one page that I just briefly looked at that talked about basically the spread of the human population. It kind of went around the world. Well, you know, we're all related, even us and these Incas and these Aztecs. And we all have our eh, religious, hate to use that word, but religious start where? When Noah got off the ark. All of our, all of our, all of our scriptural, biblical, religious information comes from Noah and his family when they got off the ark. So I kind of find it interesting. I've always kind of found this interesting. We studied the cults here one time, and it's neat to look at cults, and there's just a little bit of fragmented of truth in cults. There's just a little bit of fragmented of truth in paganism. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's what most people use to disbelieve Christianity because they say, well, that's the same thing that so-and-so, you know, that aspect of it is the same thing that this religion looks at or that's the same aspect of this culture has and and to me that's just like well that's proof because how could how could these incas have the ritualistic paganistic ceremonies that that they have and when you bear with me i'm trying not to give away the whole highlight of tonight's lesson but when we see these tidbits of having an altar in a temple gosh does that sound familiar vaguely hmm yeah there was an altar in the temple. That's exactly right. So I look at this and I say, hmm, they must have knew that from somewhere. That, that must have clicked with them. So uh, looking at this book, so uh, we are looking at the Incas tonight and this civilization, oh, I got a long, there's, a, there's even more weird names in here about people that discovered this, that, and this scientist and this, this that, and the other, and I'm going to spare us that and get to the, the good part. Uh, that picture, Monte Picchu, is that what it is? Monte Picchu? That picture that, he, that they showed, and it's actually on the front of this book. Do you know when that was discovered? This kind of blew me away. I think it was kind of one of that information that was tucked back way in the somewhere of the realm of my brain that I thought, oh, wow, that's neat. Ni 19, 1907. They, they rediscovered it. Did they? And what's interesting about this deal is that it is up on top of a mountain and you can't see it from anywhere around. And basically the jungle just kind of took this thing over when the civilization fell and just kind of... So what you see, it didn't look like that in 1907. It was just jungle. So, and the reason that's important is because if you were on a hill over here, this, this hill and looking across... This mountain, you, you, you couldn't see it after the, the jungle took over it. But one of the reasons that this pack, pack the king, lived in Monte Picchu, and, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't protected with walls like we think of, because this, this civilization, the, the Kushk, is that what it was? I forget. Kushka, yeah, Kushka. Boy, that sounds an awful lot like Kush, doesn't it? But anyway, this Kushka... Civilization was four tribes that came together in battle over time and, and they ended up making peace and this Inca society, which did you hear the number, how many people they said there were? 10 million. That's a lot of people. And now remember, we're talking about 40 years after some uh, Spanish dude crossed the ocean. Uh, I was working at a place, and they gave me the combination of the gate, and he said, it's the same year that Columbus discovered America. I said, okay. I told some guys working for me, I'm like, I, I, they said, what's the code of the, the gate? I said, same year disco Columbus discovered America. And they said, when was that? <laughs> it's like, does everybody know when Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Four, what is it, Why? Man, you knew the answer to that. Your hand shot right up. 1492. So we're, we're talking 40, 50 years after that is the peak of this, this civilization. And the video kind of gave it away. And you may remember this or may know this, but Frank, which was a Spanish conquistador, basically wiped out this civilization with anywhere from 120 to 220 guys. Wow. Can you... Imagine that. 
just the flat taking over. I mean, that's like, that's huge. That, that would be like the Buckeyes playing a peewee team. I mean, that's what it would be like, just this, the massacre. I watched another interesting documentary on this this week, trying to get these names down and just trying to refresh my memory with this. And I also find this interesting, that they buried their dead. Most pagans uh, don't bury their dead. This is one of the few civilizations that buried their dead. And when they buried their dead, they buried them in a seated position facing east. Interesting. But they didn't know that right away when the archaeologists went over there and started digging. When they first found these cemeteries, they, they found them in different layers. The first layer was just mangled body, dismembered, <coughs> slaughtered, basically, bodies. And they're thinking that that was the ones that were left after the conquistadors were, were finished with them buried the bodies, but they didn't face them seated or they didn't bury them seated or facing east, just kind of any which direction. And this was, this was the premise of the documentary, and I, I, find, I kind of found this interesting, but it wasn't why I was looking at it. The whole documentary was surrounded by this, that they took some of these um, uh, remains to a forensic science university to basically do some forensic stuff on them. And this one skull in particular... This, this is one of the reasons that the conquistadors were so able to defeat them, was the first recorded gunshot victim in North and South America. So one of the skulls that they found had a gun, it had a hole in it, but then they actually had the bone fragment inside the skull, and then when they did some final testing, they found shards of iron around the wound. So the first North and South American gunshot victim, forensic scientists found, buried on the top layer of the Incas. Going down a few layers, then they found Incas that were buried, um, not tragically, I guess, um, but just buried flat, um, respectfully with, with coverings and stuff, and that was the ones they found on the top layer. They were, there was, it was just kind of a hurried, rushed deal. The layer under that was just kind of any which direction, didn't really matter, but respectfully. And then the layer below that is where they found the seated and facing east, all of them. So I'm like, and they were trying to figure this out. Now, again, this is some documentary that had nothing to do with this book, had nothing to do with the Bible. And their biggest mystery of this is why. Why did that happen? So, reading this book... Um, it talks about Frank, and it talks about Pack, and it talks about their society. So their society was very much a paganistic, human-sacrificial society. And we just read that who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. That's what God's talking about the world. He, it, at one time, he let all nations just walk in their own way. But look at this verse number 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good, and he gave us rain from heaven and the fruitful seasons, fulfilling our hearts with food and gladness. 
Now that just give me the holy goose pimples because I, I, I know the rest of the story like that wicked Paul Harvey would say. But think about that. God let the nations walk in their own lusts, do whatever they, ever they want, his forbearance and everything. But he left himself, not, he left not himself without witness. Anybody pick out what that witness of God's self to people that, that don't know God is? He gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our heart with food and gladness. That's God's witness for all mankind. Now, let me take you back to Pack, the king. Pack, at a young age, <clears throat> he was not heir to the throne. <laughs> This pack guy. His brother was heir to the throne, but there was early on in the Kushk Empire or whatever, there was some guys coming over that were to, to do battle with him, and his brother that was heir to the throne fled. And Pack stood up, threw his hands up on this this like outcrest of a hill, and the sun shone down on him, and because of his boldness. When, it, when most of the army had left, some of the entreating army kind of, it's basically like you're, you're going into a football game and then, then the quarterback walks out and he's, and he's like 300 pounds and you're like, that's their quarterback? Whoa. whoa. <laughs> so like that guy's going to run the ball all over us. What are we going to do? It kind of brings down your confidence level. So long story short, or I don't even know all the details. Nobody really knows the details. But him and his small group of men defeated the incoming army, wiped them, defeated, defeated the army, protect the, the headquarters, the kingdom. So, sorry, you were supposed to be king, but Pack, you're our guy. So Pack um, used that as a sign for him to be, to actually to be king and to also be, uh, you know, if, if you already worship the sun and... I just Googled this to see if how to pronounce it, but I'm not sure. Does anybody know how to pronounce the Inca sun god? Inti? I-N-T-I. Inti. Inti? If not, we'll nickname him Inti. So he took that as a sign from Inti, which was the god that they worshipped as his shining glory on him, and, and the people recognized that as well. So he became not only king, but his their religious authority because Inti had chosen Pack to be their king and, and prevailed him in an army that day. So as God would have it that that happens, he puts this Pack in power of the largest pagan society in South America and, and probably even North, probably all the Americas, puts him in charge of that and made Packy think about the Inti, the sun god that put him there. And Pack said, hmm, Enti, if you're so great and powerful, I'm just, I'm just drawing this out because this is, this is how the, the account goes. Hmm, Enti, if you're so great and powerful, how come that cloud just came across the sky and took all your glory? That's what he was thinking one day. And then one night, this Enti went down and he thought, Enti? If you're so great and powerful, why do you have to go somewhere for half the time and rest and not shine your glory on us? And then one day when it was raining all day, he said, Enti, or flood, rainy season, Enti, 
aren't you powerful enough to make it stop raining for a little bit? But it seems like these rain clouds are choking you out. You're nowhere around. So Pack, by just utter questioning everything, came to the determination that Enti, the sun, the sun god that they've been worshiping, was apparently created just like he was. So, now you're the king, and this empty sun god had placed you in power. <laughs> you're kind of in a dilemma, aren't you? So, he brought all the priests, uh, and I could even name the priests. They're in here. I can't even begin to pronounce them. Yet, in 1755, in the Cusco, the Spanish priest named hmm, Cesabil, yeah, that guy, it brings, the, it brings the, the priests, the sun god priests, in. Now, I don't know if you caught this in the video, but they have no written anything. It would be kind of hard to know where you come from if there wasn't any writings, wouldn't it? So he starts questioning, where do we come from? Why are we here? What was there before we were in power? And they didn't know. The only thing they had was songs. What was our song we were supposed to talk about last week? All my rowdy friends. All, all my rowdy friends. <clears throat> that was all they had. They knew the songs and all my rowdy friends. So they had the songs, just, just like we have psalms in here and just like we sing songs and just like you hear songs on the radio. You hear part of it. You know the rest of the story. So he got the priest together and he said, we need to know why we do what we do, meaning why we do what we do, why we have human sacrifices, why we have these altars where did this all come from? And let's look at our songs to try and figure this out. So all the priests come together with all the songs, and I can just see them like getting all the preschool teachers together and everybody bringing all their folk songs and all the songs that they have and singing them in front of Pack. And Pack is sitting there thinking to himself, what's the real meaning behind these songs that we sing? Like ring around the rosy, pocket full of posy, ashes to ashes, we all fall down. That is a weird child's rhyme. But we know, we don't know, we don't remember all the details, but there's some bad junk to that, am I right? So they took all their rhymes and all their stuff and they thought, why do we sing these songs that we sing? Where do they come from? How, do, how, how, do, how have we passed, them, passed these songs down this long and, and so forth? What do these songs mean? And he derived from all these songs that Enti, is that what it is, the sun god, Enti? that Enti was a created being just like himself and that Enti answered to a higher power and that all the gods that were underneath Enti, that Enti was in charge of. Now remember, this is, this is where we get our Mayan calendar. The Mayans just a little bit north had this same recollection. They knew, that's what blows us, that's what blow, blew us away back in 2012 or whenever that was. How did they have this information? How did they have this knowledge to know that the sun does what it does and controls and they had a calendar that was accurate? They worshiped this God. But they didn't know how they got the information to how this God works. So here's Pak, the king, with an basically deep thinking mind that I believe God put him there and put him in power just at the right time. But here's where it gets a little weird. Because Pack with all these priests, he now realizes that this Enti God, 
that the people have built temples to, they've worshipped their whole lives, they pay homage to, and part of that homage, homage the government, which is him, <laughs> he's the government, gets, retains. So he's kind of in a catch-22, isn't he? There's something more. This God that we've always worshipped our whole lives is not it. How do we tell the people? So him and the, him and the priests work this out. They decided, they decided that basically himself and the upper elites would be the only ones that would know this information. And they would worship this God that they weren't quite sure his name. It all comes back to the name. And then they gave him a name, Virachi or something, Viracha. Uh, the concept of Viracha, therefore, was probably of great antiquities, worshipped of Inti, the other gods, and their views were a recent departure from a pure original belief system. So they, they knew, they finally figured out, hey, we're doing this stuff right. We're offering sacrifices. But the problem is they didn't know what kind of sacrifices to offer. What did Moses do when he got off the ark? He offered a sacrifice. They'd lost that information. They'd lost why they were doing it. They lost what type of sacrifice, but they had the altar. They just didn't know what to do with it. And they knew that th through this time they were offering a sacrifice that they weren't sure of to a God that they didn't know who was. It's, it almost reminds me of the same story of, 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 uh, uh, of the unknown God at, at, at uh, Mars Hill. Yeah, the same thing. Like, we're doing it. We don't know why we're doing it. We forgot why we're doing it. But there's a reason here. But that old relic was still there and made them think that there's, there's something more to it. And God ingrained them that there's something more to it. And this pack, the king, said, there is somebody that gives us rain. There is somebody that gives us sun. And there's somebody that gives us fruitfulness and blessings. <laughs> Isn't that exactly what God just said in Acts chapter number 15? Yeah, that neither left, left not himself without witness, that in did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and fulfilled our hearts with food and goodness. So Pac and the Incas knew that there was a God. They knew there was a God that was in control of Inti. They knew there was a God that was in control of rain. They knew that there was a God that was in charge of all, everything and brought them goodness and blessings and fruitfulness. So, secular, architectural, everything, this is a mystery to them. And it's so crazy because if you, if you look at this, it is a known fact that the Incas abandoned worship to Enti. A known fact that the, that the Incas abandoned Enti. And I think, by looking at this documentary and putting this together, that I think that when they abandoned Enti, that they probably felt that the way they were burying people was maybe not, maybe not right or proper or something. And I think that possibly be why that layer, they were still reverenced and respected, but when they buried them facing east, and I, this is the way we do it in this country, but why do we bury people facing east in this country? Do you guys know? That's where Jesus is coming back. So why were they doing it? to worship that sun god. That's why they were burying people. So when, when Enti came to visit them every day, that was the first thing these bodies saw. 
And once they realized that Enti was just, in, in fact, uh, Paco and these priests, then declared Enti a brethren, that he was a created being just like they were. They still had that. It's hard for them to pull away that there wasn't a, a being in that son. But they, they, they then begin to view the son as a brother and not something to be worshipped. So when you take that, the reason they buried their people seated and facing the sun, when you no longer worship the sun, there's no longer a reason to bury people that way. And, and I'm watching this documentary and they're saying, we can't figure out what changed, what changed through their culture. And I'm thinking, I'm reading this book and I'm like, I know what changed. They were worshipping that sun. And then they weren't. <laughs> and then the, the conquistadors showed up. And this is, this is where it gets sad, and the, the book allocates to this. So who were the conquistadors? Spanish. What were the Spanish primarily? Were the Spanish pagans? And how ironic that Spanish Catholics, in their zeal to abolish... Inca idolatry destroyed a, here's the key, a monotheistic, okay, I, I, I said something earlier that was incorrect. They, they had Enti, which was their god. There were no other gods with this, with this society. I, I think I said they had other gods that were, no. So they destroyed a monotheistic belief in which effect contributed to the interim Old Testament and, the, and opened the minds of thousands to the New Testament and opened the minds of thousands to the good news, right? Because that's what opened Paul up to Jesus Christ. Hey, here's why you have the sacrifice. Here's why you have these altars. It's not for this. I mean, that, and that, that's opened us up to all these things, right? We, we know what an altar is for. We know what a sacrifice is. We don't do it on a weekly basis. We don't have to do it on a weekly basis. But these people already had that foundation in place. They just didn't know why. And all those Spanish conquistadors had to do was the same thing that Paul did at Mars Hill. Hey, you guys need to remember who this God is. You've got the altars in place. Here's what they used to be good for. But now a more better sacrifice has come. And tell them about Jesus Christ and it would all fit. But instead, they wiped them out. And the book goes on to say, and imagine this and imagine that. And that's somewhat true. I mean, everything's working out to God's will and way. But imagine that for a minute. Imagine what, how this nation would be formed different if 10 million people would have been converted in just a matter of time. How would that be different? If the conquistadors were more like pilgrims that landed in Plymouth, how would, how would you and I be different? What, what would the outcome of the world look different? But instead, these Spanish Catholics, instead of bringing the gospel, they brought guns and swords and conquered and stole their gold. The, the, the corruption of man, the, the stinginess of man, the, the, the love of money wiped out an entire civilization that was already ripe and ready and willing, a monotheistic society that was already ripe and willing and prepared to receive the gospel, but instead there are no Incas anymore. We're just now finding all their stuff. Total civilization, 10 million people wiped out. 
And, you know, you, you, we, we think of poverty, and what do we think of? We, we still, after 400 years, we think of Central and South America. Man, what a blown opportunity. Just because of greed and lust of money and so forth. And, and the, probably one of the largest, I, I would, I mean, I about guarantee you that's the largest upset in history. Two, let's say there was 300 conquistadors and basically totally decimated an entire civilization. Pretty sad, isn't it? That kind of depressing. I'm, I'm, I'm staying this. Yeah, and, and and that's the other thing. They, um, the one documentary that I was watching about the bullet head and the the thing, um, that's been long thought that it was disease. I'm sure I'm I'm sure that had something to do with it. But as they were looking at these, this top layer of remains, I'll call it, that was just kind of hodgepodged. I mean, they, they, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. They were, they were looking at hands and arms, missing legs. Uh, one guy, I mean, it was, it was bad in this documentary. And they were thinking, gosh, the, the more we look into it, because, you know, picture this. This whole top layer is just bad, violent. And then you've got another layer is just natural death, and then below that it's almost order, you know. And they were, they were trying to figure out how that was, and I I found that kind of interesting that there was order in the way they buried people because they were facing, you know, that that sun god. I'm pointing that way, but that way they were they were worshiping that sun god, and then it didn't matter so much. And then and that was the main point of this documentary: what wiped out. The uh, Incas, and they were th basically come to the conclusion there was. It looked like because w what did the conquistadors come here with? Not only guns, but they came with swords. While the Incas had stones and stone-forged hand tools, and I know we don't think about this much, but horses. There were no horses in Americas then. That's that's why we call them Spanish Mustangs because the conquistadors brought them. So they had horses. Can you imagine seeing somebody ride an animal and you've never seen anybody riding an animal? And that animal was fast and you've never seen fast and you've never seen an animal that looked anything like a horse. And these guys were riding them with, with spears and, and swords and stuff and just, they didn't have a chance. I mean, it was, it was that bad. So yeah, but I'm sure they brought disease just like uh, with, the, with the North American Indians. And... Um, you know, totally wiped them out. I don't know if, if and maybe this is bad for me because I'm not a world explorer, but I remember my dad and mom taking me to Tijuana, which is not a good place to take your kids on vacation, but they took me to Tijuana, <laughs> and uh, uh, we get off the taxi cab, or get out of the taxi cab, and um, we're walking around, and does anybody know what baffled me about some of the people that were there? Yeah, Dad remembers. Short. Like, wade size short. Anybody been to Tijuana, Mexico? They're the, they're the native. They're, they're the natives. They're the Incas. They're the, 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 the Mayans and so on and so forth. And I remember, like, took me off guard. And I'm looking and I'm like, that is a, that's a full-grown man and woman. And I'm taller than them at, at what, eight years old? That's probably a big Luke like Wyatt, but still, uh, I'm I'm noticing that. But I mean, they were proportioned. I don't I don't want to use the. They were proportioned. They were just really small, and they were darker than than 
um, trying to be so politically correct, and I'm not very good at it. They were darker than the Mexicans. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there was a distinction between them. Does anybody know where the Mexicans that we think of, do, do you know what they, what, what they are? They're descendants from the Indians and the Spaniards. There's, there's two types of Mexicans. There are the native Mexicans, just like we have Native Americans, and then there are the, the taller, bigger-boned, heavier-set Spanish, Indian, Mexicans that we, we think of. Distinct difference when you're down there, isn't there, Dad? I mean, it is night and day. You, you, you don't have to ask. It's like, that's a native, that's a Spanish, that's a Spaniard. And, and I mean, they speak Spanish for... You know, that's where they get it from. But uh, so that's, that's interesting that, you know, these large Europeans on horseback with swords and boomsticks come in and wipe them out. Isn't it amazing? All they had to do was just tell them the gospel. Really, all, they had, all Franco had to do was claim that he was a god and they would have fell down and worshipped him. I mean, really? But all he had to do was tell him that there was a God and if he'd had a little bit of charity to him and brotherly kindness that we were talking about this morning, who knows how the world would have went. But Yeah, hey, God made the sun. Yeah, God made the sun on the fourth day and he told it to go around us and it does. Wow, tell me more about this God. You know, just interesting, amazing. So any other thoughts or comments or questions? Seems like it's...